Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. This week's Slaughter Marathon winner is Ann Carpenter of Grand Haven, Michigan. Ann will get a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at lawandorderpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoie and Brittany Leanagay. And these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law and order, law and order, law and order. It's no ordinary police procedural, baby. It's the FNOG of police procedures, baby. Law and order, law and order, law and order, law and order. These are their stories, these are their stories. Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about Network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at Special Victims Unit, Season 12, Episode 3, Behave. Ladies and gentlemen, can I have your attention, please? Do you see that man? Yes, him. He stalked me and raped me four times since I was 16. Joining me to do just that is true crime author and the host of Crime Writers On and Netflix's You Can't Make This Up podcasts, Rebecca Lavoie. Hello, Rebecca. Hi, Kevin. How are you? I'm great. Me too. <laughs> so formal now. <laughs> Rounding out our panel is our special returning guest from the D20 Dames podcast. It's Brittany Leanagay. Hey, Brittany. How are you? Hello. I'm also great. Look at us. Yeah. Thank you for coming back. Because I always feel like when someone comes on that I say thank you and then I assume that they hated every minute of it. And they'll never speak to you again. Never speak to me again. <laughs> Block you on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Is that because the last episode I did was about the banana and the tailpipe? Uh, from season oh, one, man, that was or is just that great. just a generic thing? <laughs> it's just a generic thing, yeah. It's your insecurity showing. It's my... Okay, so here's the whole thing. Yeah. Most white men walk around the world with way too much like swagger, way too much confidence. Oh. You are the exception to that rule, Kevin. I move the median number. It's like, yeah. God grant me the insecurity of this white man. <laughs> oh, well, you probably already have that. <laughs> so, pretty since our last recording, we learned a bunch of stuff, like Dick Wolf is bringing back the original Law and Order after a 10-year hiatus. Also, Amaro is going to be the latest uh, character to reappear on SVU, along with Stabler and Barba and Warner and Chester Lake, for all we know, in the past <laughs> year. And uh, just as we started to like them, Cat and Garland have left the show. So are you thumbs up or thumbs down for what's happening in the Law and Order universe right now? It's a little bit of a mixed bag. I, I didn't sign off on Amaro. I didn't get that. Didn't come across <laughs> my desk, unfortunately. Uh, not a fan. Cat, man, they worked on that character. They yeah. really dug in. And then they were like, oh, Garland, too. They were like, no, not yeah. for me. Not for me. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think um, I also am not a fan of the new uh let's continue a storyline, an SVU thing that's happening right now. So, you know. I 
I don't know when they're going to read my letters, but... <laughs> Speaking of reading letters, have you been checking out Organized Crime? Oh, yes. That one, I approve of the format. That format is lovely. Big fan. Big fan of all the characters. It's nice to see Stabler get a little bit of his comeuppance after all these years, oh, right? Tr- right, yeah. He's just been... T- <laughs> He's willing to sit down and get his talking to, which That's is, right. okay, let me have it, yeah. That's right. It's his penance. It's so funny, yeah. He uh, he also looks better than ever, so he gets both, you know? He gets, he gets a couple of lashings, but also he looks fantastic, so everyone wins. Hey, Brittany, of all the franchises, remind us, which two cops are your favorite detective team? Favorite Law and Order detective team. So I remember distinctly, I said Munch and Finn last time, and I'm not going to put that down. I think they're the campiest set of cops the show has ever seen. But I will say Finn and Rollins, great team. It adds a layer to Finn that we knew was there. But right, he gets to be compassionate. He gets to cover up for Rollins's habits let's say but also find her help i love it i love that arc i think it gives him some dimension so and a little fatherly maybe avuncular he gets to be a little bit you know as opposed to sort of being the sidekick to munch he's he's a little more of an authority protective authority figure for her right he also gets promoted behind benson at every turn (laughs) kind of like dragging (gasps) him up the chain off camera absolutely but yeah and Brittany, who's your favorite prosecutorial team favorite law and order district attorney prosecutorial team so i on on the lines of the newer stuff i am a fan of carisi what an art what an art me too Oh, my God. I'm so glad you said that. 100 percent. Yeah. Would you have ever thought in a million years? Like I saw it coming, right? You saw it coming. Like, yep. yep. Yeah. Dipping his toes, reading his books and all of that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't see it coming when we first met him and they talked about him going to night law school. Like I didn't see it coming. (laughs) (laughs) That seemed like an afterthought of a detail they had to write in for him. They're like, "Uh, let's give him uh, uh, a night school. Just throw some night school under that mustache. Take away the mustache. Give him the night school. It was a joke. Like it was just to make him sort of douchey in the cop room. Like like, I know I know I know the law. I I, I talk about the law with my nieces, you know, but like we saw it coming like telegraphed in the last couple of years. He's great. And I love the moments when he has to take on the role of being like the one being like, I can't do this case. And they're like, what do you mean? You're a fucking cop. <laughs> we, they used to tell you you couldn't do the case. And now you're that guy. Right. I love it. I love everything about it. I really, really love it. All right. Now let's take a look at the first half of this episode. SVU season 12, episode three, Behave. Just a reminder, we're going to be talking about fictional detectives investigating fictional crimes against fictional victims. If that's still too heinous for you, you can check out one of our other episodes. Well, who says nothing fun happens on public transportation? (laughs) Bus riders find a woman woozy and covered in blood who blurts out, He raped me! Again! Again? She mentioned the guy's name? Says she doesn't know it. And he attacked her how many times? She told the EMTs four over the past 15 years. It's a first for a stranger rapist. The victim gave a false name, recants her claim, and flees the hospital. And Olivia's parting advice is, don't shower! (laughs) After cross-checking her photo, like a capital insurrectionist, SVU learns that her name is Vicki Sayers. She won't come to the door, and Benson and Stabler learn that she only comes out of her house once a month. So they stake out her place like a mafia strip club in case she pops out to buy an illegal handgun, which she does. Under threat of arrest, Vicky agrees to go back to the hospital with Benson to get a rape kit. And because 
Her body is a wonderland. We, oh, Jesus. We all see the intimate testing involved in the evidence collection while Vicky tells her story. The rapist first attacked her as a teen while she was a candy striper. He took her license and told her to be a good girl and behave. He came back and did it again as a college student and again when she moved to L.A. before her wedding. Now working from home in New York, he caught her leaving the subway pulled her into an alley where he raped her and threatened to kill her. Now, fluids from the rape kit match chemicals in a hand moisturizer that can only be found in the men's room of the Amsterdam Hotel. Working off a sketch, the detectives bring in lounge lizard and medical equipment salesman Bill Harris. Vicky picks him out of a lineup, but Finn gets photographic evidence that Harris was in a hotel in Rhode Island the night of the rape. As they release him... Vicky throws herself at Harris, begging his forgiveness and asking him not to hurt her. Okay, so as soon as someone says she was raped, Vicky comes out and says, I wasn't raped. I'm not sure how real this is. You don't believe her? She reeks like a wino. I'm waiting for the results on her blood alcohol. If she said that she was raped, she was raped. I wasn't raped. Yeah. So ends another 30-second episode of Law & Order SVU. All right, so can we just, like, Pause for a second and say, this is an iconic episode of SVU. Sure, and we will talk about all the really important stuff that happens. A, it's iconic. B, I've seen it at least 100 times, I think. (laughs) C, uh, it's got some incredible performances in it. And D, you did that disclaimer because it's especially brutal. That being said, uh, yes, (laughs) it is a little bit weird when someone in an episode like this is like, I was raped, I wasn't raped, I was raped, I wasn't raped. She clearly was. Mm-hmm. She had the shit beaten out of her. She looks terrible. She's got blood in all the wrong places. And Elliot is like, well, I don't know. And then she's like, I wasn't. But and he's the one he's like, well, you know, these girls, you know how they are. The fuck, Elliot? This is why. An is organized- this the first time you've watched the show? No, no, no. OK. But this 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 one like I, I he, he does. He does it all the time. Right. But this this one, this one, he's still doing it with this one. Well, he he had there was a second man in the hallway and that was the doctor who also <laughs> didn't believe her. Yes. <laughs> you yes. know, so it's the power of two men not believing this woman. Uh, the doctor, I think, called her a wino. Back me up, doc. Of course. Of course. Of course. So I think he, he had a, he had a uh, he had a medical reason to maybe think this woman was not telling the truth with hmm. all the glass in her head and. Well, she is a victim for certain. So why are they staking out her residence like she's a Branch Davidian? I don't know. You, you, you fight fire with fire is what I'm thinking, right? So she's a stalking, clearly a stalking victim. And the only way to catch a stalking victim is by stalking yeah. the victim, I guess. They truly it takes a stalker. Yes. Yeah. What are they doing? They're just sitting there staring. Eating donuts. You see all the coffee cups on the dashboard? Yeah. They were out there for a very long time, as if they had nothing else to do besides stalk this poor rape yeah. victim. And they'd be like, Elliot, throw in the tear gas. We'll smoke <laughs> her out. <laughs> it's like, it's, she's a victim, but it's, come on, come on, get let us in. Let us do law enforcement. <laughs> well, I think people vividly remember one thing about this episode, and it is the prolonged rape kit collection scene. They're actually like three really... I think, iconic bits of it. Three? Well, the other two have to do with the stalking montage, yep. and the other is the uh, giant masturbatorium that gets discovered <laughs> in Los Angeles. Uh, but let's get to this very sobering scene. We always hear about rape kits on this show, but we have never been exposed to any kind of demonstration of what happens, and it is very powerful. And then he took my driver's permit. 
so that he would know my name and where I lived. When was the next attack? November 14th, 1998. I was a sophomore at Hudson. He held a knife to my throat. And he said, I've been looking all over for you. You've been a very bad girl. There is sort of one small moment where she cries out in pain during the, mm. the, um, the, the process. And it is a tiny cotton swab, which is certainly nothing compared to how she was violated. But it just shows that there is nothing easy about this process. We have watched literal rapes on this show. I will argue forever that this is the most brutal scene that has ever been and ever will be on SVU. For me, it's a that moment and the teeth, the swabbing of the the mouth for the, the teeth collection mm-hmm. in the middle of the sentence. It's like you just see them probing all over her, collecting things from her hair, collecting things from her mouth. You know, the things you, that you don't see on camera, but that, you know, are happening that indicate all the things that were done to her as she's just talking. First of all, we've got a great actress here mm. uh, doing the part, but just it is it's unbelievable, this scene, and it is unbelievable in its brutality. I, I mean, incredibly powerful, so detailed, uh, so well paced. I will say I was taken out of it a little bit. I know Olivia had to be there. I know. I know for the scene we needed the storytelling but to think that they were collecting all of those things while she had to tell her story and give her mm. story at the same time and they were taking pictures of her crying. I was like, I I, I don't know firsthand, but I, I don't think that the detective's in there at the same time interrogating you about your, your crime. But that that layer definitely added to the the intensity of the of the moment. But it took me out of a little bit out of reality there. But that was uh, certainly, certainly powerful and. Something that sets up like, well, we can talk about that that the later, but the whole rape kit thing becomes a recurring phenomenon on the show. And even in reality with Marissa Hargitay, you know, pioneering rape kits and their, you know, the justice or injustice around them. So this is a pretty important, pivotal episode, I I would say. Yeah. And I think for a guy, right, who obviously has never been through that kind of experience before, it just tells me and hopefully the rest of the audience what a terrible injustice it is that a victim has to go through all of that. Yes. The photography yes. and the black light and the, you know, all the different swabs from every orifice. And then nothing happens. Yes. With that. Mm-hmm. That's the point. Yeah. And yeah. think of every Law and Order episode where they uh, the victim was encouraged to get a rape kit or press- yeah. pressured to get a rape kit done. And they're hesitant. But you you don't see all of it. You don't see that. Now, every time you watch one of these episodes... And they even mention a rape kit or they even mention going to the doctor. This plays their it, it changes the dynamic of every every yeah. episode for me now. Like, you know, you have to apply. This is what happens. This is what happens. And unfortunately, yeah. what also happens is they don't get processed. So, yep. Is it OK to have just a little levity talking about this scene? I, I don't think that we can do this podcast if you don't do that, Kevin. Plus, you gave the disclaimer. Yeah. It's something when you realize that the person collecting all of the evidence is Frenchie the beauty school dropout from Greece? <laughs> is it? Yeah. Beauty school dropout. Oh, my God. Go back to high school. It's D.D. Khan. It is. It's not. It is. They it don't is. Even, they don't it even is. give her a line. Do they give her a line? They give her one line. Here it is. Julie, wait. I did not see that. I didn't, I didn't see it. I didn't notice it. it. Yeah. Which maybe is good cinematography, like we weren't <laughs> yeah. looking at the fans. 
Wow. Yeah, we might as well transition into our cast. We have a couple of other repeat offenders. Repeat offender. There's Judith Light as Judge Connolly. This case is dismissed without prejudice. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And we also have Peter Herman, a.k.a. Mr. Murska. Yes. As attorney Trevor Langdon. So you didn't actually see the man who raped you in that alley. But we also have a very special guest star. It's our very special guest star. It's Ms. Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yay! I cried all the time. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. And Scott kept asking me if I still loved him. I told him, of course I did, but every time he touched me, I just thought of him. She's playing Vicki Sayers, known for Party of Five, I Know What You Did Last Summer, and The Ghost Whisperer. What a performance. That's all I can say. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I challenged myself to put other people in this role, other special guest stars I've seen in this role, and I just, it didn't work in my brain. Like, this, it was perfect from start to finish. She, she, there's a lot of things where she was not saying anything and had to act a lot. The begging, the, 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 the rapist in the, in the, in the, the office at the, in the middle there, just saying sorry. Like, I, I just have never seen, I don't know. I feel bad because I don't think of Jennifer Love Hewitt as, you know, an A-list. Uh, a serious actress is what someone might say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, if she was, you know, teen teenage actress, party of five type thing. But this, ooh, if this is the only thing in your reel, call it, you know, just cut that thing. That's. Did yeah, you guys no. not watch Party of Five like I did? It was the most fucking intense show like on television. And Party of Five was intense. It dealt with like some incredibly intense issues. As intense as Ghost Whisperer? Oh, it was no. okay. Ghost Whisperer was stupid. But Party of Five dealt with kids who yeah. had lost their parents. Jennifer Love Hewitt actually played the girlfriend of one of the kids. Anyway, it was a very, very dramatic show. And when I saw her performance in this, I was like, oh, there's Party yeah. of Five. Jennifer Love Hewitt again. And I, I can't believe she didn't get a... Emmy nomination for as, a, as a guest star. It was the wigs. It was, they held yeah, her back. Yeah, it must have been. <laughs> Jennifer gave birth last month to a son, James. I think it's her third child. And she's about almost 40 years old, so good for her. She's currently playing a dispatcher, Maddie Buckley, in Fox's 911. But her character just left the show after her own difficult pregnancy. The network is kind of tight-lipped, uh, but everyone thinks that she's going to be back after what is her real life maternity leave? So mm-hmm. you know, uh, her next big thing you will hear her in the upcoming Christmas movie, Pups Alone. Mm. Uh, it's just like Home Alone, but with dogs. That's worse. It, it worse because <laughs> a child can feed himself by making a sandwich. A dog can't like open a Tupperware and make their own like bowl of oh, food. Oh, you'd be surprised. <laughs> So it's it's burglars trying to break in, and the dogs fight them off with bowling balls down the stairs mm. and slippery dog poop, and you know your next holiday classic. Wow, huh. wow! It's a, it's like an Air Bud series, uh, Home Alone crossover. They just started. They just decided to jam those two things together. I love it. We have a hey, it's that guy. Hey, it's that guy. Who's playing L.A. Detective Rex Winters? It's yours. California has a 10-year statute. Clock ran out on Vicky's rape three weeks ago. Come on, that's Skeet Ulrich. Yeah. <laughs> the crafts, the Skeet Ulrich. <laughs> he was Billy from Scream. He's currently playing Jughead's dad in Riverdale. I, I know him from the the craft. That's my that's my connection. He's <laughs> the, craft, the unfortunate yeah. boyfriend from the, the craft. <laughs> uh, he was born Brian Ray Trout. 
His stepdad is NASCAR driver D.K. Elrich, and his uncle is driver Ricky Rudd. He says his he's he got the name Skeet. Uh, oh, I don't want to know. Don't even say. How no. do you get the name Skeet? Well, not the way I got the name Skeet. It was <laughs> it's short for Mosquito, which is what all the players on his Little League team called him. Mm, sure. Uh, he says that he once ate an onion before having to kiss Jewel. Hmm. Not a jewel, jewel, like the singer. Yeah, and then she was like, through the window, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why you got to hate on Jewel? I, mean, I don't. She's great. Her hands are small. I know. <laughs> They're hers. <laughs> Can you tell me the name of the actor playing the very persistent rape suspect, Bill Harris? Relax. Yeah. How am I supposed to relax when you think I'm some kind of a monster? I don't know his name, but I know him from something very specific, uh, and I can't unplace him from my memory. Rebecca, do you know his name? That is a very thick-lipped and creepy James LaGrosse. That's correct. So creepy. He's had recurring roles in Ally McBeal, Justified, and Girls, but you'll probably remember him as Roach in Point Break. See you in hell, Johnny! <laughs> I know him from this. You know from this? <laughs> yeah, because I've seen it so many times. Okay. Also because my ex-brother-in-law looks so much like him that people used to mistake my ex-brother-in-law for him at restaurants. No lie. Only if they were both in the same lineup. Brittany, <laughs> do, do you remember him from a certain place? Girls is where I know him from. He uh, plays another unfortunate character. He plays like a, a creepy husband dude. Uh, yeah. So I, th- I just think of him as like he's in everything. If you if you he's he's one of those guys. You've seen him in every every single show. Um, but yeah, he's got that look. He's got that yeah. eye, that dead eye look that is perfect for this role. And do you notice like if something happens to him, he kind of makes this yeah. kind of face he's like, like a Ferengi, yeah. from Star Trek. That's cool. <laughs> he had a role in the CBS School Break special. Ace hits the big time. Ugh. Uh, in this episode, Horace starts his first day at high school wearing an eye patch, so he immediately gets recruited into a gang. Hmm. Uh, here is the review. One star titled, I can't imagine anyone who would like this. <laughs> <laughs> and then it goes on. It doesn't need to. But he has that sparkle in his eye at the, you know, the first interrogation. You still do have that. Did he? Is he the one? Did they get? Is this the guy? There's that little thing about him where you're like, maybe he was wrong place, wrong, you know. But then he makes all those weird faces, and you're yeah, you're sure weird of it. Faces, yeah. And those lips, <laughs> those lips, man. <laughs> uh, do you know who is playing the Chicago detective named Lorna Diamond? Of course, we don't get her name, but that's what it says on the piece of paper. Nope. Do you know her? Mm-mm. Our first attack was in 97. A detective told the victim even if he sent it, lab wouldn't get to it for a year and she should try to put the rape behind her. Okay, that's Jennifer Barnhart. She was Cleo, the puppet cub on the kids show Between the Lions. Oh, of course she was. I wow. watched that so many times. Of course you wouldn't have seen it. You would have to recognize her voice. <laughs> now, she was just nominated for a 2021 Daytime Emmy for voicing Zoe on Sesame Street. Good for Oh, wow. Yeah, four Law & Order Universe appearances, including two on Law & Order Organized Crime. Hmm. Do you remember, Brittany, the scene from last season where the mob boss, Richard Wheatley, killed a guy in his office by drowning him with the pet octopus? Very much so, yes. She was the octopus. <laughs> <laughs> she played the octopus. It was a puppet. No! <laughs> She's a puppeteer? She's a puppeteer. You're kidding. I just said she was... Cleo from Between the Lions. Okay, when, when you and said Zoe. she was the octopus, that sounds like a joke. 
It's not a joke. <laughs> you think they trained an octopus to attack a guy? There was an octopus wrangler on set. They're very smart. So. You got to go all out for season one of a new series. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, no thumbs. You got four fingers. You can get in there and do the whole octopus. So maybe uh, serial rapists stay at better hotels than me, but I've never seen any complimentary bottles of branded hand lotion in any men's room ever. That was not hand lotion. It was lube. Let's be real. (laughs) (laughs) It's only in the men's room. Come on. Yeah, absolutely. But it must be so good because he was there at the moment they were looking for That's right. So he must be there all the time. It's like I lost my lube. (laughs) But but they said he wasn't a guest. He just entertains guests. He entertains clients. They're in the bar, right? right? He loves yeah. the bar. Yeah. Yes. Where can I direct you? To this guy, if you've seen him. That could be Mr. Harris. Is he a guest? No. He entertains clients here all the time in our lounge. So they walk into the Amsterdam Hotel. Mm-hmm. They walk up to that concierge lady. Yeah. And she, they show her the sketch. And she says, that could be Mr. Harris. Case closed. Yeah, good. <laughs> right? It is just right over there. The concierge. No, no. We need more and more evidence to stack up against this person uh, that will get thrown out. <laughs> it's like minute 13 yep. of the show. Yeah. Yep. Concierge solves yep. the whole fucking case. That's right. Unbelievable. Yep. Where's her hero moment? I love how they pull him over and Stabler's <laughs> got, got the piece of paper and he's like, Yes, I shouldn't have run that red light. Mm. Yep. That bill is kind of embarrassing, but you look an awful lot like a suspect that we're after. Uh... I was just kidding about the red line. Hey, man, sorry to sorry to tell you, but uh, this picture looks a lot like you, buddy. You seem to be having a good time here. I hate to break it up. Like, so Look at these lips. Look at them. Good. Look at the stupid part in your hair. Look at that giant Ferengi forehead. Yes. <laughs> well, they get him to get in a lineup, and when they do that, they have six guys come in, and they're all wearing business suits. Why do they need six guys in business suits? She didn't see him. Hmm. I mean, in the dark or anything. It isn't like the business suit is part of the, the identification. Outfit. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, well, you know, everybody needs to get a tie. I was raped by a, a stockbroker. <laughs> Even still, where do they get six, five other guys in suits who are willing to stand in a lineup? I feel like you ask this question every podcast. <laughs> but it's, where where right. do they get five guys in camo jackets? <laughs> yeah. They have like a wardrobe department at the yeah, police right. station. Does NYPD expense that? Is that what do you, where do you return your receipts from men's warehouse? Like, how do I? Yeah. I, yeah. That all fit nice. I mean, Brittany, I don't know what your relationship with law enforcement is like, but if an officer said, hey, you look somewhat like this suspect. Could you come and stand up in, in this lineup? And yes, wear your Dungeons and Dragons paraphernalia because that's kind of what she was wearing too. Would you be like, I'm going to roll the, the 20-sided die. And <laughs> yeah, I'll stand next to somebody who's wanted for murder and right. see if I get picked. You want me to cosplay as the uh, the actual... <laughs> yeah, exactly. The actual... It is cosplay, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is cosplay. Let's let's look as close as you can to this person. It's like, wait, hold on. Do I get the short end of the stick there? What if I do it too well? Do I want to win this game? <laughs> what if what if he picks you? Like, yes, excellent. Everything is changing so fast. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load. But now with the Xfinity 10G network, you can power a house full of devices at once with ultra low lag. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. 
Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Now let's look at the second half of this episode. Well, because she won't turn her back on any victim, Olivia is working around the clock to figure out how Harris could be in two places at once. Liv, Harris's alibi is so. Elliot, you saw her in the hallway. She's positive that it was him, and my gut tells me she's right. The hotel in Providence says Harris's window was left open, and his rental car had 300 miles on it, enough to drive to Manhattan and back. But, for once... Circumstantial evidence is not enough for New York City. The detectives decide if they can't arrest Harris, they'll just follow him around town telling everybody he's a rapist. But when he complains to Benson that, quote, you're all alike, she makes the logical jump that he's raping other women all across the country. They cross-check similar crimes with Harris's business travel. With the statute of limitations in New York run out on the earlier rapes, Benson checks with other police departments. She learns they all have backlogs of thousands of untested rape kits. In Detroit, the rape kit was lost in a fire. In Chicago, it was contaminated with mold. But in L.A., well, hello, Detective Hottie. <laughs> Rex Winters says Harris rents a storage locker there, and he's already got a warrant. Because circumstantial evidence is enough for Los Angeles, in the locker, they find photos and videos of Vicky and Harris's other victims, their clothes, even their driver's licenses. And Winters says the statute of limitations has run out in California, but... Go get him, Tiger! Back in Gotham, Benson learns that eyewitness testimony, DNA matches, and trophies from multiple rapes found in a masturbatorium the size of the Batcave is still not enough to make Harris's arrest stick. Stabler says the FBI will look at the case, but Olivia has one last revelation. She matches a roll of duct tape from the locker to the strips used to bind Vicky in 1998. The team can finally put the cuffs on Harris because... There's no statute of limitations on kidnapping. Okay, so he had to go to Providence, so he requested a first-floor hotel room, one with windows that open so that he could drive all the way back to Manhattan to be there the one night a month that Vicky is out of the house and wait for her by the one subway stop located next to a darkened alley. I feel like there has to be an easier way. Uh, I don't think this guy cares about the easy way. I just think he cares about getting away with it. Yeah, I mean, maybe the whole, the complication is, like, part of it, right? Like, that's all, that's all part of the gig. He likes this very convoluted scheme. And also, yeah. it almost worked. So He likes, he, <laughs> you know what he likes? This is what he likes. Surprise! Yeah. That's the thing he gets mm -hmm. off on, right? To quote Van Halen, I heard you miss me, I'm back! Exactly. So now, if you don't have enough evidence to charge someone with rape, you can just go to his neighborhood and his job and tell everyone he's a rapist. Yes. Hey, Bill. You behaving yourself? Go my way, Billy. Think the Knicks got a chance this year? What the hell? You know, you gonna wash your hands? Some bizarre type of improv everywhere. This is what this made me think of. What a, what a staged production this was to be there when he gets out of his cab and to be there at every event. I mean, 
I'll get him going to the urinal. Yeah, it's a very aggressive this is your life that's happening like around him. Yeah, yeah. I'm like Cirque du Soleil when the clown comes into the audience and you're like, nope, I'm just going to pretend that I can't move my legs and look over here into my purse like I need a tissue. Well, look, I have been to so many boring seminars just once. I'd love for a cop to stand up in the back and say, why did you rape Vicky? (laughs) Any questions? Yeah, why'd you rape Vicky? What did you say? I asked him why he raped Vicky. Who's Vicky? Someone call security. There's no need for that. NYPD. Just answer the question. Why did you rape that woman? <laughs> and then just watch the speaker abandon his PowerPoint and leave through a side door. <laughs> with everybody the, there. With the beating heart and the forceps in the background. <laughs> also, Stapler's like, excuse was, uh, I'm a cop, so this is fine. He holds up his badge. Like, I don't know that that's... <laughs> No need. Okay. It's fine, everyone. This is what we do. This is how we interrogate now. We go to seminars and ask questions my like fa- this. My favorite is Finn handing out the flyers of, like, this man is a rapist, rapist. on the street. Give me that. Police, take one. Keep our city safe. How are you doing? People have a right knowing there's slime stinking up their neighborhood. Police. It's illegal. Yeah, call a cop. Police, take one. Have a nice day. And then the rapist dude is grabbing them out of people's hands. Like, that makes him look less suspicious. <laughs> It's not subtle. This man is a rapist. No, I'm not. Give me that flyer back. I'm definitely not a rapist, lady. And what do people think, though? Is this if I want to be raped? I I take the number. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Then at the cocktail party, Benson again embarrasses Harris. The best. And he says, I'm sorry, everybody. Uh, Clearly, this, this woman is mistaking me for somebody else. Can I speak with you privately? And then takes three steps just away from the bar, and everyone in the background is drinking as if they are not listening in like E.F. Hutton. The best is when Jennifer Love Hewitt herself shows up and points at him and is like, I know what you fucking did last summer, (laughs) motherfucker. (laughs) It is the best that, like, they have her do it. First of all, you shouldn't have her do that. That's probably traumatizing and not cool. I don't think any of this is right. Well... It's only right because we know he yeah, did. Know. <laughs> like, let's be real. It's not right. It's a violation of his civil rights. Six ways to Sunday. I, know, I, just, I feel like this is serial season by the way, five. It's right also here, yeah. how they caught John Wayne Gacy, by the way. Yeah. 100% how they caught John Wayne Gacy. Also wrong, but also kind of right because they fucking knew he did it. Like, we know he did it as an audience member and that makes it right. But we also know it's not right. Yeah, but he asked for privacy and he's really not getting... A lot of privacy at this cocktail party. And I just, I'm waiting for people to go, Bob, I don't know if I want to buy medical equipment from the guy who raped Vicky. <laughs> <laughs> but let's, let's, let's talk about it. Let's make it a conversation at least. Yeah, I'm not yeah, sure if I want to. I'm not but... feeling good about it now. But, like, Bob, like, he doesn't make the medical equipment. He just sells it. He just sells it. Do so you think they're going to buy the robot anyway? <laughs> will, will we get a coupon code for this? Will there, is there a discount now that we know... You're a rapist, or... <laughs> no, apparently it's a punch card, like after your fifth rape or Can something. we get it, but maybe he doesn't get the commission? Yeah, I just... I don't know. I think I want to talk to the guy who was accused of being the child molester. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So we also get the most badass Benson quote of all time. What's that? Get out of my face. You're my bitch now. Bitch. <laughs> You're like, oh, we need something for the USA promos. I mean, technically, Give her this line. 
technically his lawyer is her bitch now. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say the line uh, at the very beginning where Vicky is in her house and says, how did you find me? And then Benson channels Munch and says, you paid your taxes. You paid your taxes. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow. Because Harry says, you're all alike. Yeah. Benson goes full Gorin and proclaims that he's raped women all over the country. And then after showing Craig in a Google Sheets pivot table, uh, she gets airplane tickets and goes all over the country. Yeah. Olivia, taxpayers want to know how expensive your hunches are. Hmm. <laughs> I want to know how they were able to issue a subpoena for his frequent flyer miles and get it in four seconds, A. Well, because it wasn't a rape kid. Oh. Take forever. <laughs> that's true, because it, it was about a man. So they were able to get it immediately. immediately. Right, that's right. I love, so- I love a unitasking software. They have this software program that pops up the cities and then women's spaces. <laughs> L.A., Detroit, Birmingham, Chicago. I love You never see that again. They'll never use it again. What is the software? It doesn't exist. It's my favorite part of crime shows. It's incredible. And does she need to physically be there for someone to look in a paper bag? No. I mean, there are cops all over America with, like, Benson knocking on their door and saying, you didn't return my call, so I decided to fly into your office, mm. which is always annoying. Yeah. Uh, we do have a Crossover. crossover. Yes. Benson goes to L.A. because last week, at this last week when this episode airs, that America was introduced to Law and Order L.A., taking the time slot that had been the motherships for 20 years. Now, Mariska was there in Los Angeles because she was attending the Emmy Awards, for which she was nominated and did not win. Mm. And she meets Detective Rex Winters, who is one of the two uh, detectives on the short-lived Law and Order L.A., So they have a warrant for his storage locker, and they go inside, and they get to see where he's had his own party of five, if you know what I mean. Yes. A safe place. When he's here on business, he drops in to get off. 3,000 miles away from where he lives. There's panties and photos and driver's licenses and stalking videos that he's made, and of course, a leather chair facing the television and a giant bottle of... Hand lotion, I guess. Uh, (laughs) That's very kind. Yeah. I am going to bet dollars to donuts that that floor was sticky. Mm. It seemed very neat, though. I bet he cleaned up. Super neat. It looked like an exhibit, almost. I was like, I like what you've done with this storage (laughs) unit, honestly. (laughs) It's like you're at the Guggenheim, and it's like, (laughs) welcome to Rapatoria. It was like Carrie from Homeland, right? Very neat, but also crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to hang big. Fo- now, those photos, I, I don't suppose he got those done at Photomat. No, he probably he... has a dark room someplace. Yes, he developed them himself, very uh, artfully. Lots of, you know, chemicals. There's some scrapbooking in there. He had, yes. he had some scrapbooking with some actual, like, necklaces and things stuck in. Uh, again, more tasteful underwear. He'd make a great grandma, huh? This, <laughs> this is, he, he's, this is a preserved, this is more evidence than all of the police stations combined oh, in the country yes. have. Yes. Well preserved. This he's the record of his whole thing, and it's way more than the police have, and I'm still trying to figure out how that was not enough evidence. Yeah. <laughs> Under the category of what more could you possibly want, they bring in all this evidence connecting one man to all these multiple rapes across the country, and the judge is like, I don't know. She says you can't be certain of the chain of custody. Because it's been in a police locker untouched for years until 15 minutes before Blinson you know showed up. 
Because she had to fly coach. That's she had to fly coach. <laughs> you can't be sure they never opened it. That's right. Yeah, I can because it's there's this, it's in this bag that's never been opened. But she had to put it in the overhead bin. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> See, like, Mr. Harris, why do you have panties from every rape victim from across the country? Mm, eBay? <laughs> So, in the end, a mountain of cum-stained rape memorabilia isn't enough for arrest. Nope. But you used duct tape in 1998, so we're going to charge you with kidnapping. I think that's pretty weak. Labeled duct tape. Labeled it's duct tape. It's his fault for writing the year on his own evidence. I'm telling like, you, too good at record keeping. He's just right. too good. That's all it was. Right. So, now that they finally have Harris right where they want him, they stick him in jail. And that's when uh, Vicky gets to come in and tell him to be a good boy. Vicky, please tell them they're wrong. You know it wasn't rape. I love you. I, lo- I, I love you. Now I'll always know where you are. Be a good boy. Behave yourself. After he confesses to the rapes that he just denied doing for the last entire episode by saying in a breath. it wasn't rape. Yeah. It was just sex because I, I love, love you. you. Yeah. In a breath, he just lets it all go. Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. What? <laughs> you didn't even talk to your lawyer, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, you remember, she said that he looked her in the eye when she did it. Right. I mean, when it's he, love, right? Yeah, it's true love. It's like, I want you to know this is sincere. <laughs> yes. Just behave, all right? But it is an amazing turn, don't you think, Brittany, that after she's terrified of him the whole episode, apologizing to him, she can't look at him. She's like, I, I even after they confront him at the party and she has all the cards, she's like, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. At the end, she's just like, be a good boy. Behave. I, even though it was unrealistic and stupid, I loved it. I couldn't help it. I loved it. I didn't, and it's only because they spent the whole episode promising her, promising her, promising her, and, you know, breaking her down, breaking her down. She finally is like, you're never going to catch this guy, and then they kind of catch him with this kidnapping thing, and we're not sure if it's going to stick because we don't see the rest of the episode, but now she's like, well, the duct tape and the kidnapping, now I'm sure I'm going to actually literally close the, (laughs) she closes the the cell. (laughs) Which I'm not sure she's allowed to do. <laughs> doesn't lock it. Right, you could just open enough. it again right now and punch her in the face. She doesn't know he's not going to do that. <laughs> right, right. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. All right, now let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. It's time for Ripped from the Headlines. You think you know who did it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Ripped from the This episode is inspired by the story of Helena Lazaro. In 1996, the 17-year-old was at a car wash when a man asked for a ride to the hospital. Once in the car, he held a knife to Lazaro's throat, abducted her, then raped her. He took her driver's license and threatened to return if she went to the police. Doctors gave evidence collected in Lazaro's rape kit to the Los Angeles County Sheriff, but the office didn't submit the kit to the crime lab for seven years. 
Technicians found a DNA match, but the lab's report never made it back to detectives. It wasn't until 2010 when Lazaro requested a meeting with authorities she learned her attacker had been identified. Ohio truck driver Charles Courtney had been in prison since 2001 for a rape in which he also kept the victim's driver's licence. California officials tried to charge Courtney in Lazaro's attack, but the statute of limitations had expired. The story finally shined a light on the national backlog on processing rape kits. Today, Helena Lazaro works as a victim advocate in lobbying for new laws to increase the speed of testing. The Justice Department provided $1 billion in grants to states to reduce the rape kit backlog. And between 2011 and 2017, the backlog doubled. Yeah, I'm not surprised. You know why? Why? Because it's women. No one gives a shit about women. That's why. Okay, next question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll tell you something. I I mean, Brittany, do you think it's any more than that? I mean, I'm I'm actually being serious right now. No, I don't think. I think that is the long and short of it, truly. It's uh, the people that are making these laws and the people that are giving out the money are not the people that, you know, care about these things. That's that's pretty much it. I I will say that after seeing this episode, I am now able to visualize that a rape kit is not like a quick fingerprint, right? Not only... Is the collection intrusive and, you know, for the effort, it shouldn't just sit on a shelf. But I can also see the amount of things that need to be tested in each kit. It's multiple things. And I unlike a quick fingerprint, it means that the kits take a long time and that is going to lead to a backup anyway, right? You know what else takes a long time? All the processing they have to do in bullshit drug cases that put like yep. millions of black people in prison every year for no fucking reason, right? So like there's a lot of testing that goes into a lot of cases, a lot of like, you know, trace evidence, a lot of like DNA stuff, cross-contamination stuff, touch DNA. A lot of testing goes into a lot of forensics mm-hmm. in a lot of cases. Rapes get deprioritized because they happen to women. Kevin, I know that like it's very, very hard. And I'm I'm not discounting your theory at all. I'm not. Right. Except I am. Well, both things can be true, though, <laughs> both right? Both things can be true. However, when you walk around the world and you are a woman, you just come to realize that like things involving women, even if there's money for it or whatever, they just don't get prioritized right like even like in the in any especially in the medical world and in the testing world like you look at drug trials like whole like medications get passed by the fda that have never been tested on women like what's the difference between a woman taking this and a man like like the world just doesn't think this way it's just not built this way it's just like kind of the way it is It, it sucks and this is a huge problem in the criminal justice system Mariska's charity is called the Joyful Heart Foundation, and she founded it in 2004 uh, after meeting with uh, you know different victims while she's preparing for the role for, for SVU. And they made the backlog a priority. So they sp- spun off a program, and it's called End the Backlog, and it's working to fix the problem in all 50 states. It's looking at the different states. I'll tell you that in New Hampshire, according to what has been reported, the backlog for rape kits... 582 rape kits hmm. behind. California, 14,000. Hmm. Nationwide, there is an estimated 225,000 rape kits that have yet to be tested. Great. You feel, oh, you're feeling great about that, right? Yeah. So, But here in New Hampshire, because, Brittany, I know you 
really of following what the news is here in New Hampshire where we live. I'm from New Hampshire, so you'd be surprised. <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot. Where are you from? Nashua? Derry. Derry. That's yep. right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, okay. In 2020, New Hampshire legislators introduced HB 1378, which would establish a committee to study oversight authority and timelines for the processing and retention of sexual assault evidence collection kits. The bill failed to pass. Surprise. The bill was to establish a committee to study yep. the issue. Yep. And it didn't pass. Surprise. This is the backbone, right? This is the backbone. Yep. You have a bill. Hey, we can fix this problem. It goes to the people that decide this. And most of them are men who don't understand it or care about it or sympathize or empathize or anything. But they're not even asking them to do anything. How exactly. about you just, you <laughs> meet for th- for four Wednesdays in the afternoon, you listen from testimony for an hour, you write a report, and then you fuck off. <laughs> right? I mean, it is, they wouldn't even do that. You don't even have to write the report. You just copy and paste the report another committee wrote in a different state, yeah, and absolutely. you're like, let's just do that. Let's just do what they did in Alabama or some shit, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so with a computer, you can track your deliveries, your absentee ballot. Yep. Last week, the governor of California signed a law to create an online portal for victims to securely track their rape kits. So they'll be able to see that it doesn't go anywhere? Yeah, click up. Oh, nothing this year. <laughs> Great. Awesome. Just refresh, refresh, refresh. <laughs> refresh, refresh, refresh. <laughs> nope. That's going to do it for us. We want to thank our guest, Brittany Leanagay. Brittany, where can our listeners follow you online? Uh, well, you can follow me personally at Brittany Lee, and you can also find me at D20 Dames. We are a family-friendly RPG podcast. We uh, are truly family-friendly, one of the very rare TT RPG podcasts that are family-friendly. Listen with your kids in the car. Uh, we're starting a new season in uh, 2022. I was actually going to mention that particular point. The people online love the fact that they can listen to a Dungeons and Dragons podcast with that's incredible. Uh, with yeah, you know, it's not a bunch of people drinking and swearing at one another, which is not like this podcast. <laughs> oh. That reminds me, Rebecca Lavoy. How can our listeners follow you? I am at Reb Lavoy on both Twitter and Instagram. You crazy bitches! And can, you can track me on Twitter at Kevin P. Flynn. You can also tweet to us at Law and Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Our newsreader was Cy Freighter. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Content assistance from Travis Roy, Lily Flynn handles promotions. To get ad-free episodes of These Are the Stories a week early, sign up for Stitcher Premium. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for criticism and commentary. Go to lawandorderpodcast.com and sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Are Their Stories was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio and is a production of Partners in Crime Media. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.